0: Hey fintech friends. Hey fintech friends, my name is Helen Fermi Williams and I'm your host of this new podcast, Hey Fintech Friends. This podcast is brought to you by This Week in Fintech, which is on the front page of Global Fintech News, fostering the largest fintech community through newsletters, thought leadership and events. Oh, and now podcasting. And what's quite cool about this community is the creativity, the intelligence and also an understanding that those who work in the field are just regular people who've decided to devote themselves to solving a particular problem. And with that comes a unique mix of finance, technology and fun, which is exactly what this podcast wants to explore. So expect this content to be informative, yes, but we're also keen to get to know our founders and ask them the questions that you didn't know you needed answering. So let's talk about the structure of this podcast. First, we're going to go through the news. And if you're a subscriber to the This Week in Fintech newsletter, you're in luck because this is the audio version. And then we're going to have a chat with this week's friend, Swati, the co-founder and CEO of Proplex. And lastly, I'll tell you a bit about the latest Signals article, which is actually the Q2 Roundup. And now let's move on to our FinTechionary of the week. If you recall, FinTechionaries are basically a dictionary definition of a FinTech word. So this week, our word is investment platform. And according to which.co.uk... An investment platform, sometimes called a fund supermarket, allows investors to buy and hold a range of investments in one place online and sometimes with a smartphone app. Investment platforms often provide extensive research and information such as investment news, historical and recent performance figures and analysis of the investment styles adopted by fund managers. The crucial point is that investment platforms are designed for people who are making their own investment decisions. This is referred to as execution only. Now. This Week in Fintech.
1: This Week in Fintech. In product launches, Japanese messaging super-app Viber launched Payments, a mobile digital wallet for paying bills and transferring money. Upbank, an Australian neobank, launched Maybuy, a savings alternative to buy now, pay later. Crypto giant FTX launched stock trading and will go into options trading next. Warranty provider Extend launched shipping protection for purchases. Binance launched its crypto card in Argentina. And Yappily launched a variable recurring payments product and signed volume as its first customer. A Chinese consortium launched a Swiss stock exchange connection. In other news, in a continued escalation of the African regulatory pressure on large fintechs, the Central Bank of Kenya directed all banks to stop working with ChipperCash and Flutterwave. The Bank of Ghana is probing Flutterwave as well. Alloy expanded its fraud and risk decision platform to 40 countries across North America, the EMEA, Latin America and APAC. The investor Anderson Harowitz wants to launch a wealth management service for the founders that it backs. Plaid and Gemini partnered to allow UK users to purchase crypto via their bank accounts. Chinese billionaire Jack Ma will reportedly give up control of Ant Group, the multi-billion financial firm he founded, which has found itself in the crosshairs of the country's regulators. Italian payment giant Nexi will partner with Microsoft to build cloud-based payment services across Europe. Brex will transition its small business customers to neobank Oxygen and Cardless is building an Amex card. British small business neobank Redwood Bank posted its first full-year profit. LendUp is quietly winding down its product, while it's unclear what will happen with its neobank ahead, which appears to have transferred users to Kinley. Robinhood laid off almost a quarter of its workforce months after a 9% staff cut. Clearco, the Canadian revenue-based financing provider, cut 125 jobs, 25% of its workforce. Crypto firm Babel Finance lost over $280 million in customer funds from prop trading. Zillow faces shareholder lawsuits due to its failed house flipping business. And finally, the New York Department of Financial Services fined Robinhood $30 million for crypto anti money laundering failures. That's this week in FinTech.
0: And now for our chat with this week's friend. Swati is the co-founder and CEO of Proplex, an investment platform that enables accredited investors worldwide to invest in startups and venture capital funds. She has a long history of working in the alternative investment space and is the founder of the MIT Alumni Angel Investor Group. She founded and led the group from 2013 to 2015 and continues to be on the screening committee. Prior to Proplex, Swati has worked as an investment professional at a range of firms, She's also been a management consultant working across a variety of industries. I hope you enjoy our friendly chat. Thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Excited to have you. So where are you from and and where are you based?
2: So I grew up in India, born and brought up there. Uh, Came here for graduate studies. I'm right now in the US, uh, San Francisco Bay Area. Came here for graduate studies and I guess just stayed here for the past 20 years.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Did, um, would you ever go and move back to India or you or you're you're set here?
2: Oh, that's a million dollar question. I honestly <laughs> don't know. I go to India maybe twice or thrice a year almost. Um, and I'm equally at home both places. But yeah, my home is here I think for now.
0: Nice, yeah. 2-3 yeah. times a, a year is actually is, I think that's still quite a lot. That that means you're you're still quite invested in Oh, in you? Yes, yeah. very
2: much so. My father's there, yeah. family's there.
0: So yes, very much so. Nice. Okay. And so we'll start with like quite a basic fintech, quite not a basic question. We're going to, we're kind of, the format of it is we're going to sort of go with like serious questions then non-serious questions and then just like see how it goes. So <laughs> um, my first question is like to your non-fintech friends, how would you explain what you do? So yeah, to your parents or, or friends, how would you explain what you do
2: yeah so historically to my parents uh you've invested in stocks and bonds um right and you've had sometimes you do it online sometimes you have your broker do it well, the thing is that you've never invested in some of the highest re- potential return opportunities which includes privately held companies so startups uh, because you've never had access to them It's only the the really rich people who invest in things like startups and venture capital and hedge funds, which are totally alien terms to you. But just think of them as stocks and bonds and a third kind of investment. Let's call that alternatives. So what I do, I make alternatives widely available to people like you, mom and dad. Um, And so that you can have the same opportunities or similar, at least, that the really rich people have. So we can close the wealth gap slowly and slowly.
0: Yeah, that, I feel like that's such a great um, way of explaining it. <laughs> and I love how you kept saying like mom and dad throughout it. So you're like, I very much feel like I'm your mother. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think that's a great explanation. And I think as well, there's like so much, I think right now we're probably at like the most it's been in terms of like regular people being able to invest yeah. in things that they've never yeah. been invested in before or different like alternative assets and stuff like that so it's quite it must be quite an interesting space to be in do you do you have like do you, do you work in specific assets or is it everything
2: yeah no we started out so I lead a company called Propel which does this right we make yes. it yes. widely <laughs> available to people um, and so PropelX originally started out as a way, way to connect investors with startups and very specifically we focused on deep tech startups. So that's a term mm-hmm. that we defined way back. I think mine is one of the earliest essays on this term. We started using it when I was also leading the MIT Angels group. And we defined deep tech startups as companies that are founded on breakthroughs in science and engineering, yeah, which find it hard to raise funding, especially in the earliest days. Think Tesla. But... <clears throat> So originally it was startups only, very specifically deep tech startups. And then along the journey, we expanded into startups more broadly and very specifically deep tech and fintech and then broadly startups. And then now we do broadly three types of alternative assets, direct investments in startups, investments in venture funds, investments in hedge funds. So our first hedge fund is coming on board hopefully next week or the week after <laughs> depending on compliance.
0: That's quite broad. And there's so many different things. What, what do you, what is your interest? Oh, I guess those are three things that interest you, but like what, what's your favorite to kind of work with?
2: Oh, favorite. My passion is deep technology startups. There's no question. I'm passionate about science. I'm passionate about engineering. I'm passionate about companies that are leveraging breakthroughs in science and engineering to change the trajectory of humankind. That is my interest. And that's why I started down this path originally um and I hope I can do
0: more of that yeah and actually yeah let's circle back because actually we haven't even spoken about like how you got to where you are now so do you want to tell us a little bit about like so we know you grew up in India then you moved to America like what 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 what's all the in-between from there
2: (laughs) okay that's a black box but let me enlighten (laughs) the audience So yeah, I came here for grad studies, went to Berkeley, went to MIT, became a management consultant for several years, um, went back to MIT Sloan to get my MBA full-time, and then started in investing world. So I did my summer at Temasek, which is a a sovereign fund of Singapore, kind of like quasi-hedge fund, investing in public and private equities. Then I worked at Siemens Venture Capital, which is in doing growth equity in Boston. And then I moved to San Francisco Bay Area doing private equity, really carve outs of back ends of insurance companies, very uh, operational kind of work. But coming to San Francisco, the vibe is such that you cannot avoid startups that are thrown at you from all angles. So I got very interested in startups. It's um, very exciting. And I thought maybe I can be an angel investor. Yeah, so I started visiting various angel groups. And this was way back in 2013. Um, and all the angel groups at that time were doing what is they used to call solo mode. So social, local, mobile, those kinds of investments, right? So mobile apps was a big thing back then. But it wasn't compelling for me because my passion really is how breakthroughs in science, breakthroughs are engineering are changing humankind, right? And so I said, I'm going to start our own angel group for MIT alumni. So I did. Uh, the MIT Alumni Angels of Northern California, which is now quite big. Uh, and very soon, within a year, we grew it to almost one of the biggest groups in the Bay Area. We did more deals than other groups. We deployed more capital than other groups. And we focused the group on deep tech startups, right? And I realized at that time a couple of different things that companies which go on, which have the potential to go on to become the Teslas and the Illuminas of the world, they find it really hard to raise financing, especially in their earliest days. And like I said, you know, think Tesla. Tesla is a case in point. They didn't have the financing for the longest time. And now look where they're at today. right? <laughs> so um, so we focused that group on deep tech startups. And I realized that these companies find it really hard to raise financing, even though they have the potential for high return at the same time. What we did different about the group was we didn't really have a minimum investment or you have to pay dues or anything. We opened it up to accredited investor alumni, you know, false stripes. So if you're making the cut, then you're eligible. And I realized so many people want access. So many people didn't have access. And that's why our our group became very large, because we didn't have these minimum requirements and whatnot. Um, and people want access, and that's when I started PropelX because I said, okay, you know what? There is a bigger opportunity here. On the one hand, there are people wanting access. On the other hand, they started finding it hard to raise financing. Let's do something Being about together, it. So I started yeah. PropelX as a way to connect investors with deep tech startups originally, and then, as I mentioned, we grew, we grew, grew.
0: So that's such an interesting story. So, like, could, for instance, let's say that I had some money, or 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 if I Let's say I didn't. Let's say I had like a hundred pounds or something, or dollars. Is that something that propelix starts in? Because I know you said there's no minimum. So can the average person, the average Joe, just be like, "Oh, I've got some change"? Or
2: so change is uh, un- uh, not. Uh, <laughs> 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 what I meant was there's not twenty five thousand dollars, but yeah. we do have to have a minimum. Um, So there are some SEC standards, uh, which is. Um, the regulator, regulator in North America, um, and we have to focus on accredited investors, which is mm-hmm. people that are earning two hundred thousand dollars or more in income uh, as an individual, or three hundred k or more as a as a couple, uh, or they have if they have no income, let's say they're retired, they have at least a million in assets, not including their home. So that's who our audience is, and so to make sure that we are. Actually, at least meeting their needs, our minimum is $5,000, which mm-hmm. is still way less than what the average angel investor check size is, which is around 25 k. So this is a fifth of that. And so we do have that minimum, but really it is meant because, you know, we're just serving that audience given our regulations. We're yeah, not a but- crowdfunding platform, you know? Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense but it still allows like it still democratizes the process yes, of like finance. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Because okay. even so like like you said before that even that group didn't yeah there was a, there, there was only like certain ways you could invest so you like even if you are have a minimum of five thousand pounds you're still like democratizing it to that class and like, like you said below that you have like crowdfunding platforms yeah. for for people's spare change <laughs> yes <laughs>
2: for people with spare change that's yeah. Right.
0: yeah and um like what does the sort of like long-term goals of like propelix look like or or, or, or of you as well
2: yeah my mission in life really is uh to grow Propellex, and the mission of Propellex is to democratize these kinds of investments. The vision really is that the private markets should be as thriving, liquid, active as the public markets. They should be as available to at least ordinary accredited investors as the public markets. Today, they're not. So imagine a world where you know the ordinary accredited investor could create an account, log in, just like they log into their Schwab account or their fidelity or e-trade or what have you account and within that you know you look at stocks bonds mutual funds but you could also look at privately held companies uh you know at all stages series a b c d e that's interesting or you could look at hedge funds of all types and invest in those and you could have an allocation that says, like, okay x amount of stocks y amount of bonds um, and z amount to alternative assets, and this is how I'm going to divide it. and it's all available on your platform of choice, uh, your broker of choice. and that's the vision that I'm pursuing. And that's the vision for Propelx. You know we want to be distributing all of these to all of the brokers. We want to make it available.
0: Yeah, that sounds really good because then, yeah, like, like you said, people would just be able to kind of like choose where they're doing it. It could be fast, it could be on, I don't know, do you guys have an app or is it like a website? How does it work?
2: So it's on the website. Currently it's on the website. But yes, an app is in the making.
0: Little <laughs> <laughs> <Sounds laughs> by little baby steps. Yeah, you you can't do it all at once. One, yeah. one step at a time. And um, in this field, like it could be around like kind of investment platforms or, or just in general. Do you have some some sort of like fact or stat that you learned recently around this area that you kind of want to discuss or bring to the podcast?
2: Yeah. So, you know, I there was a recent report released by UBS on the state of family offices and what they're doing. There has been a lot of uh, volatility this year, you know, so the question for people like me was always, oh my gosh, what are people going to do about private assets? Is this How does this impact private assets? A whopping 51% of family offices are intending to increase their allocation this year and going into 2023 towards direct investments in privately held companies. So they're going to invest directly in companies. 51% mm-hmm. of family offices plan to do that, and they want to do more of it. And I think it was some like 40 plus percent, something like that. Hang on, let me find that report. So 28, some 38, some major percentage. Here we go. Uh, 44, is 44% intending to increase their allocation to funds, private equity funds as a whole. So... That tells me that this interest is likely to sustain, you know, through a recession or not. Um, It's likely to sustain because these are the assets that are generating returns at this time.
0: Yeah, I think you can't deny that that is kind of the route that people are going to, like, I guess it's like being able to put your money in loads of different places rather than just like one. So for instance, like, like you said, you've got people investing here. They might still have stocks and bonds. They might randomly have money and just sitting in the bank. They might have a credit card. So I guess it's all about like how people are changing where they put their money or like moving it around a bit more. Do you find that people are moving more in or or do you find that people are like, I'm going to take my money out of, I don't know, um, gold and put it into like a startup or is it more just like people are spreading it around? Gold was a random.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I I understand. So here is the thing that privately held assets are uncorrelated to the public markets, right? So when you're thinking of diversification, you have uh, private private markets that are uncorrelated with the public markets. So you invest a little in public markets, invest a little in private markets, invest a little in gold, keep some in cash, what have you. But the point is that they are looking for diversification. So to your point, they are looking for diversification. Now... I think wealth as a whole has grown. So, your question was are they taking money out from some place and putting it in another place? That has to be the case if you're looking at a total of 100%. But in general, wealth as a whole has grown. So, I might have had $100 yesterday. Today, I have 150. As a whole, wealth has grown because a lot of money has been pumped into the market. So, there's more money going around, anyways. So, therefore, it is being allocated also to all these different asset classes
0: okay cool it is it's so funny when you say like money's grown. I was this is a little bit of a tangent I was just looking at like the price of like the pound yesterday and uh, it's like it took- eight,
2: it's gone down
0: yeah obviously I know that's not what you mean but like I was yeah. looking at I was like I can't even remember a time where like the euro and the dollar was more than the pound I'm like wow times are hard here yeah. but like, I was like, one yeah. day you just wake up. But yeah, I know <laughs> that's not what you meant. It's just me like feeling sorry for myself with, with the past. Oh, it's going to um, be back. And yeah, <laughs> it will be back. I have no doubt. Exactly. It's like one of those like weird little freak things. It's, I think it's because of like everything's happened like in the past week with politics and Boris Johnson resigning and stuff like that. I'm going to assume. Um, but yeah, we'll be back. And so what is your biggest dream or vision for fintech? or 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 in or investing Um, uh, what is your biggest dream for fintech or vision yeah
2: like i mentioned my vision is that private markets be more available yeah be as thriving be as active as liquid as public markets or get close anyway. that's the vision that's the dream i'm working towards and i hope i'm able to contribute to making it happen
0: cool. And I've got three more sort of serious questions. And these are questions which our previous guest has asked. So I kept, um, so every episode, I basically ask people, what should I ask the next guest? <laughs> um, <laughs> so our first guest, Rohit, he asked him, um, what was your sort of oh shit moment in your career? So by that, he means like, something was going really well, and then you messed up. <laughs> oh, okay. So when we started the
2: MIT Angels group, I think I had approached the president of the MIT Alumni Association locally. And um, I said, hey, you know what? We want to start an angel group. Why don't you send out this? Uh, when you send out your next email to all your members, to all 12,000 plus of them in the Bay Area only, why don't you send this uh, link? And this is a link to a Google spreadsheet. If they're interested in being an angel investor, they should put their name. Uh, address when they graduated, some details about themselves, confirm that they're accredited, etc. Et and we'll have a spreadsheet of said, okay, sent out the spreadsheet. What happens within 20 minutes of that email going on, going out, that spreadsheet had names of 300 plus people and growing every second. I'm like, Oh, shit, everyone can see the names of all the accredited investors here. And I don't know who all this is going to. And so within 20 minutes, I had to think, okay, my God, how do I how do I correct this? And I redirected that link to that spreadsheet and I deleted all the names. And I said, if you want to register, please click here. And that basically went to a form. And it was an ocean moment because I was like, oh my God, did I just kind of expose the names of all wealthy people in the MIT community to everyone, the whole world. So but we corrected it.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. When you first started speaking, I was like, wait, is she saying that her ocean moment was like the, the fact that the list was growing because I was thinking isn't that a good thing but then yeah because like, I, I was like what what's the problem here like but then I was like oh my god no okay I understand like yeah when you kept yeah, yeah. going I was like okay yeah that that that's quite a thing well yeah you corrected it quite quickly 20 minutes I, yeah, I should start like to. keeping yeah I should start keeping count of like when how how quick someone's oh shit moment like
1: and um, how quick it was to be
0: corrected um question from uh, i guess last week was um what market or thing are you excited about i feel like i already know that (laughs) yes of course i'm
2: excited about the private market (laughs) yeah i'm I'm really excited about i'm excited about the day that people can invest in hedge funds with small amounts of money i mean i think we're making that happen but more broadly yeah more just like mutual funds after all hedge funds are also investing in many publicly traded things why can't people invest in them? excited
0: about that nice and um what so this is this is a question from Pierre from two weeks ago what keeps you up at night professionally and also personally
2: oh well personally I have everything to be grateful for yeah (laughs) I have two children (laughs) and they're super awesome and I am very fortunate that nothing keeps me awake at night except Oh, my God, did I eat too much today? <laughs> oh, <wait. laughs> but professionally, yes, things do keep me awake at night. I feel, you know, it's one thing to have this mission to make it more broadly available, to make alternative assets more broadly available. But it's quite another for my audience to recognize that they have the need. You know, it turns out investors don't know these things exist, don't know... When you don't even know that you have a need, how are you going to access it, right? So investor education is a big thing for us. And that's part of what I'm doing right now is trying to talk to people, tell them what we're doing, what exists, what is available to them, you know, what's available going into the future. But yeah, that's something that worries me is that, look, we're making all these efforts and people don't even recognize Or may not recognize for a while because financial turns out that financial services have a long life cycle. Like people don't recognize when 1900s people started selling stock under that tree near the New York Stock Exchange. Most people didn't realize this is something that I should invest in. That concept didn't exist. So this concept today of investing auto investors. Does not exist. We need to educate people. We need to educate investors broadly worldwide that these are things that are worth exploring.
0: No, you're right. And even on a very basic level, I think, like, I think everyone, or not everyone, I I think a lot of people can agree that, like, just financial literacy in general is such an issue. And you're right, like, there's so many different alternative whether it's alternative assets or just investing in general or like people are like you said people are moving their money in so many different ways and we don't really have that like financial literacy to kind of back it up like i can't remember in school learning about anything to do with investment money like what what even is a balance sheet like all of that isn't that shocking isn't that isn't
2: that shocking to you that you learn math and science which you don't use on a daily basis like who uses Newton's uh, laws of motion on a daily basis you don't right
0: yeah but you use way. money every day you use yeah.
2: money every day and you no, don't no no it, yeah and it's intimidating it. because I feel
0: it's no you're right because it like it's sorry to cut you off but like it's intimidating when you don't know it because then you look yes. at one of these things like a, I don't know um Yeah, like a balance sheet or something. And you're like, what is that? Because it looks foreign. But if someone explains it to you for five minutes, it's like, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Assets means this, like whatever, EBITDA or whatever. Do you know what I mean? But it's just like without knowing that, like. Absolutely. Because it is kind of common sense, but it's just like no one teaches you the common sense or the vernacular that like comes with these words. So I, yeah, I think it's a problem here for sure. Like, but then I, yeah, like you said, I could probably look at some algebra thing and like understand where x is going or something no, but um, the which point is also is, useful
2: <laughs> uh, yeah but it is i feel that we don't use we study physics biology chemistry i studied it from seventh grade onwards until you know college and i don't use any of it today mm. and nobody taught me the basics of finance NPV. what is the meaning of interest rate How do, like, these are things everyone uses every day. How Mm -hmm. come we are not taught these at school?
0: Yeah. Or even credit in a good way and a bad way. Like, in a good way and a bad way. Yeah. Like, I think, like, when I, yeah, like, I grew up when it was like, I remember the financial crisis, and I actually feel like people my age are like very credit, like, Adverse is that the right word? Yeah. Like against yeah. it, because like you've seen like what, what what that caused. But that but then equally like there is good credit and there is a need for credit. And yes. I think but then equally I feel like people yo- younger than me with like the emergence of buy now pay later and stuff like that sometimes don't really know what they're doing. So I, so it's like a weird little generational thing. But it's like some people think credit's good and some people think credit bad. Reality is it's both. But yeah. it's just we don't get taught these things so it's very confusing Yes, yeah. yes, that's true
2: that's true i mean loans help you get ahead in life you mm-hmm. know to 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 own the house that you could have owned and pay less than you're paying in in, in mortgage in rent for example you'll be having a smaller outflow and yet owning the house and growing equity in it you could actually take a loan and go to school which enhances your earning capabilities so i think that i agree with you that is perceived in a very negative way by many people like you said it's a generational thing like i feel my generation or certainly i think that is a good thing in many ways right but you can't over you can't be over indebted or over in debt
0: yeah 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 no i totally agree but it's a fine line, but yeah, we're going to move on to like non-serious questions. So um, what we're going to do first is like a quick fire. So I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. As you think, not going to lie, I think some of these are quite hard. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you need a second to think, fair enough. But um, yeah, it's just quick fire. There's like 10 questions, but I, think, I do think some of them might be a bit hard. So yeah, um, but say whatever comes to your head. Okay. Um, are you ready?
2: Yeah, I think so.
0: On a scale of 1 to 10, how good are you at keeping secrets?
2: At keeping secrets?
0: Yeah. Nine. <laughs> Cats or dogs? Very discreet. Yeah. Nine is, that's a, I, I would not, I don't think I'd be a nine. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Any day. Uh, only have liquidized food for the rest of your life or never hear music again. uh, Oh,
2: well, I'd rather not hear music. I love food.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But then you wouldn't be up at night thinking about what you ate. (laughs) But yeah. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Would you rather be forced to listen to the same songs 10 times on repeat for the rest of your life or forced to watch the same five movies on repeat for the rest of your life?
2: Songs. I do that anyway.
0: fair enough yeah actually if it's a good song that, that is true um, would you rather have a time machine or a teleporter so go back or go forward
2: teleporter
0: would you rather have to always hop around on one foot or always squat
2: uh, well I'd rather hop around on one foot squatting is so hard
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, summer or winter
2: Summer!
0: Of course. Yeah, <laughs> of course, yeah. Would you rather have to speak in rhyme for the rest of your life or have to speak in riddles for the rest of your life?
2: Oh my God, riddles are so hard. Which is less hard. Maybe rhyme? Rhyme. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, n- yeah, I guess if you spoke in riddles, no one would actually know what you're talking about. Like, exactly. <laughs> like, it's like 95% of the time. It'd be so annoying. <laughs> Constantly guessing. Did you just say that? Or what was yeah. this? <laughs> yeah, after a while, honestly, I'd just start ignoring you because I'd just be like, just, I, like, I'm just trying to ask you, like, where is the, how do I get from A to B? You know, give me this riddle. Um, would you rather lose the ability to cry or cry every day for 20 minutes randomly?
2: Oh, I'd rather
0: lose the ability to cry. I'd rather yeah. cry anyway. <laughs> yeah. Hot coffee or iced coffee? That is a good one. It's a very
2: difficult
0: choice. Iced. Iced. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. As someone who lives in a hot country, sorry, a cold country. I live in a cold country. It's just weirdly warm today. I would, um, I'd have to go with hot just because it's usually cold. <laughs> But yeah, that's the end of my sort of like quick fire oh, questions. You, I do. I did tell you, I did tell you, I do think some of them were like way more difficult. <laughs> um, but I am pr- quite proud of myself for some of them. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Good job. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> patting myself on the back. Um, um, but yeah, I guess um, I have like one last question for you and um, you can sort of expand. But if you weren't doing this, and you, what what would you be doing?
2: I'll still be investing. I think I'd be doing hedge funds. Okay. I,
0: I think it comes
2: to um, I'm interested in finance in general. I'm interested mm-hmm. in numbers. I'm interested in quantitative stuff. Um, um, you, uh, someone else asked me this. I said I'd be doing hedge funds or sports betting. Uh, very similar. <laughs> to be honest, they are kind of because it's all about trends and. So on, have you seen the movie Moneyball? No. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, okay, you see it. It's about it's not about sports betting, but it's about anyway. You'll see it. But point think- being that I like numbers and anything to do with that and trends and you know that kind of thing. So
0: okay. I like it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I will put Moneyball on the list as well. um And what do you think is? I feel like we've kind of touched on this, to be honest. So like. Um, so, so you can give me a, a short answer if you want or you can expand but like what do you think is the most important thing you'll do in your career
2: well like i said i hope i can contribute to making the private markets more widely available
0: yeah and so as this is the fintech friends podcast we're keen to highlight other friends that you maybe people don't know about so who's your friend that you think we should highlight or be looking at
2: uh-huh. You should be looking at Margaret King. She works, uh, she leads strategic partnerships at Franklin Templeton Investments here in the San Francisco Bay Area. She's super cool. She also manages their incubator programs. She's very much into fintech startups. Awesome. I'm all of our female, uh, you know, leaders. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. There you go.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'll definitely get your, um, I'll probably send you an email after and get her details. But yeah, that's great. And, um, Last question. What's a question you think we should ask the next friend?
2: Oh yeah, ask her where she's investing during the inflation or upcoming potential recession.
0: <laughs> okay, that's a good question. I like that. Where, you, where what, what what would be your answer to that? <clears throat>
2: So I feel that everyone has a different risk profile. So if you're not feeling comfortable making an investment, at all hold, sit tight. Nobody's forcing you to do so. And you don't have to feel a fear of anything, you know? Um, but I uh, am a risk taker. Uh, and therefore, for me, I feel stocks are going down. Ooh, opportunity. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I'm going to wait for a... Um, I'm going to wait till the next fed meeting and see where so the thing is the hypothesis is that uh, stock prices don't bottom out until we kind of know what's the uh, terminal interest rate going to be or where the fed stops hiking the interest rate but we have to be a little bit quicker than that and kind of foresee and uh, make the invest obviously by the time that happens it would all be baked into the stock prices so but on that hypothesis, I'd love to do more research and invest uh, in the public market certainly at the right time, but also in the private markets. I mean, private markets are less impacted by a lot of what is going on, but they are—they are impacted. Valuations are coming down. Um, for someone like me, it would be an interesting time, but that is not the case for everyone because mm-hmm. you know I'm a regulated person, so. Um, I feel it is important to, for people to know your own risk profile, You know w- your own potential liquidity, how much money you have, how much you can afford to lose before you take these decisions, right? Um, and so, like I said, you know, if you're feeling uncomfortable, don't do it. Sit on the sidelines, you know. Um, if you feel you can take the risk, do
0: your due diligence before you take any decision. So, there you have it. Nice. Okay. <laughs> cool. That's a that's a good answer. I thought he was gonna. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I've got one more question then. I guess uh-huh. if you were, I know you said you're like a very regulated person. Is there anything that you invest or have invested in or want to invest in that's like, not regulated? So like not what's the word I guess something that you've that that goes against kind of your risk profile or oh your... have
2: I invested in things that go against my risk profile oh my gosh that would have to be like something very slow and steady like come <laughs> on <laughs> maybe tips treasury uh, uh kind of inflation protected securities I don't know I haven't um, you know this uh, sorry that was a flippant answer on a serious note um I don't uh I don't invest in things that I'm not comfortable with mm-hmm. right that I don't have due diligence for or I haven't researched sufficiently to feel comfortable um yeah and I that's not something I would advise other people to do it. yeah <laughs> yeah
0: cool well thank you cool. so much for coming on cool. the podcast this has actually been really interesting, especially like learning what you do about you. Like you've got so many different like things that you're that you have going on. So it's, it's actually been such a pleasure. And like I said, you're the you're a first woman like on the podcast. So excited about that too. <laughs> <laughs> power to women.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Um, power to men also, but power to women because they need <laughs> cool Cool. thank you so much helen very nice to meet you and thank you
0: each signal roundup explores the news and dives into what's been happening in fintech over the last quarter signals rounds up for quarter two explores which concepts are being funded which firms are funding them what products are being launched and where exits and m&a are concentrating The latest edition also takes a deep dive on one of the hottest areas seeing funding right now, but it's still fundamentally broken, cross-border payments. If you'd like to read this, please subscribe to the This Week in Fintech newsletter. See you later, besties.